Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Agony Aunt episode of It's Not You, It's Them, But It Might Be You. We're going to tackle three letters from listeners today. And if you want to be one of the listeners who sends in a letter, then please do it on my Instagram at ask la 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 let me explain that is a separate instagram just for anything that you want to send in to this podcast but my real instagram where all the good stuff is going on is at la 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 let me explain so let's get into it Hey Lala, I've got a male friend who's 37 and refuses to date anyone who is outside of the age range of 18 to 32. He says that women older than that look too old and will have a high risk of genetic mutation in pregnancy and fertility issues and that sort of thing. He also says he could never date anyone who's overweight. He has a heightened sense of self. He thinks he's intellectually superior and genetically superior to other people. He's a top university researcher, but from the outside he comes across crude and with very low social skills. I find his fixation with only dating young women very concerning and even a bit predatory. I've tried to confront him with my other friend, but he doesn't see the issue and tries to talk himself out of it. Any advice on how to approach this? Firstly, I just want to start by addressing some of the stuff at the beginning of this letter, which is that he doesn't want to date people outside of the age range 18 to 32. 32 is like weirdly specific. I'm doing what's what, like, why not 33 or even push it to 34 or like bring it back down to 30? 32 is an odd one. But anyway, him saying that women older than that look too old. I wish you had sent in a picture of this 37 year old man because actually, in my experience, and I'm not trying to cuss men because actually, society has allowed men to age. Society has allowed us to say for years, like, what a silver fox, you know, and to appreciate male aging in a way that we don't with women but I do know from looking at Facebook and the people that I went to school with that the 40 year old women are trumping the 40 year old men by a country mile it's interesting that he pins this on fertility and the likelihood of uh, older women having babies with genetic mutations in pregnancy and what I'd really advise him to do in the first instance is to read the research doesn't take more than a quick Google to find some PubMed Central journals uh, research. There's loads actually on the internet, so much evidence about the fact that uh, older paternal age may be harmful to offspring's health. Sperm quality decreases with age. We're all taught about women and having to panic because our biological clock is ticking and we're soon going to reach an age where we can't have children at all. But nobody talks about the fact that research estimates that a 36-year-old father passes on twice as many genetic mutations to his child as a man of 20 years of age. And that triples and doubles and quadruples as, as they get older. For every kind of decade that they go on, their sperm becomes less good quality. I don't want to panic anyone who is trying to have babies with your partners who are in their late 30s or 40s there's still lots of possibility that you'll have very healthy babies but the reality is that it is just as much of an issue in terms of aging for men as it is for women when it comes to fertility so give him that information but actually I think what the most crucial thing here from what you have said 
describing him as having a heightened sense of self and thinking that he's intellectually and genetically superior to other people, but that he's also got low social skills and comes across as rude. I mean, you have textbook described a covert narcissist. People with narcissistic personality can be broadly defined into two categories, covert and overt. And overt is what we're more used to seeing because it's more in your face. It's more obvious that this person is a narcissist. Think of someone who presents like Donald Trump style. That is your overt narcissist. Somebody who's like, I look amazing. I want all of the attention on me. I think I'm incredible. I'm the alpha male. Da, da, da. But what's less obvious is the covert narcissist. They are more subtle. They have these self-delusions of intellectual and genetic superiority and they think that their own specialness and uniqueness entitles them to what they want and they blame the world if they don't get those things that they want. I think it would be really good for you to read about narcissism and understand how both overt and covert narcissists behave in a way that seeks to manipulate and exploit others. They have a serious lack of empathy, very difficult for them to feel empathy towards other people. They have a very high sensitivity to criticism. They do not like being told about themselves, but they absolutely love to dish it out and critique other people. So this guy here to me is without a doubt from what you have said, a covert narcissist. Although we can't go around diagnosing people with personality disorders if we are not a psychiatrist. And of course, you can't make rash judgments on people based off one letter. But just from these descriptors and also the way that he's behaving towards women, stating he doesn't want somebody who's overweight, only wanting young partners because of how they look and to how that will then present to the world, you know, this man walking down the street with this 18-year-old, like that glorifies him and boosts his social status to other weirdos. You know, you've said enough for us to assume that covert narcissism is probably behind a lot of this behaviour. So I actually think it would be really useful for you to read up on narcissism, understand it a little bit more, understand how a narcissist might react to being told that the ways in which they are behaving are predatory or disturbing or whatever. Narcissism is born out of insecurity and actually his insecurity is what's going to make it very hard for him to acknowledge and accept and admit that he's the one in the wrong. And I think the fact that he is a covert narcissist means that it's going to be very difficult to make any change here. He's always going to believe that he's right. He's not going to be able to have any empathy for the fact that judging people by their weight or their age is really a shitty thing to do and will actually hamper his chances of being able to create good connections with people. He's not going to be receptive. His barriers are going to be completely up and it's very very unlikely that you would be able to change any of these things. This is how he's wired. This is what he believes. And people trying to challenge his beliefs and is not going to make him sympathetic to your argument. It's just going to make him stand further in his righteousness. So if anything, what I would be thinking about doing here is not being friends with someone with such shitty qualities. 
Though you might want to try and change some of these things in him after you've read and learned a bit about narcissism, understood it a little bit more and understood him in that context, you might be able to find some words that help him to think about this differently and maybe letting him know about the male sperm quality and the fact that actually what he's going to be bringing to the table for an 18-year-old is a far higher chance of genetic mutations. Maybe some of that stuff will go in. I doubt it very much and I think really the question is, do you want to be friends with someone like this? I certainly wouldn't. Okay, on to the next question. Hi, Lala. So I'm getting married this October. My fiancé just went on his stag do and before we went, we had a discussion about how he would probably go to a strip club. I told him I was cool with that and that I didn't mind him getting a dance on stage or in a public place. My boundary would be if he were to go to a private room and have a dance with a woman, just because it would make me feel really uncomfortable. He agreed to this. Obviously, the day that he got back, I asked him about the stag do and the strip club. He said that he did get a dance and that his friends pressured him into it. But then he told me that he paid for it himself. I feel really betrayed by this. I can't get the image out of my head of a naked woman dancing around him. I just feel sick about the thought of it. And I just don't really know how to get past this point. Oh, this is such a horrible feeling, not being able to stop mentally replaying the image of your partner doing something absolutely fucking horrendous or disgusting. It's like when you get cheated on and all you can think about is what his penis looks like entering her vagina. Well, maybe that's not everyone, but that's certainly been my experience. It is so hard to make your brain shut up and stop playing you these horrific images. But I think that, from what it sounds like, this is a man that you want to marry. This is a man who you're soon going to marry, who you have chosen to be in a relationship with because you love him and he's got many wonderful qualities. And it sounds like the trust was there before you went away and that the communication was also there. You had a really good discussion about your boundaries. You weren't insecure about it. You were very up for him having fun and joining in with whatever it was that the lads were going to do. But you did have this very clear boundary about your discomfort with him being naked in a room alone with a woman. And that's fair enough. The great thing is that you had a chat and you sorted that all out before he went away. And actually the other good thing is that when you've come when he's come back, the communication has still been really good. He's told you and maybe we could think well the only reason he's told you is in case you find out or maybe the fact that he paid for it means it's going to come up on a credit card bill or something. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He told you, he obviously felt some guilt about it. He obviously felt shit about breaching that boundary. So so those are all really good strong pointers. I do think it's shit that he went against your boundary. I think it's really disrespectful. But do I think it is a terrible crime in the context of what we know would have probably been happening then? 
And what I mean by that is that he wasn't just consciously making this decision actively to breach your boundary. It probably happened in a scenario where he was very drunk. He's in this kind of hot and horny environment where his mates, probably a lot of them in relationships, lots of men sitting around him with wedding wedding rings on, all having the same kind of lap dances. You know, it's a very heady environment. And if he has got friends there saying, oh my God, you're only going to see one vagina for the rest of your life. You can see how that could happen. And then the next morning he could wake up feeling really fucking shit about it, which it sounds like he did. And then he told you. So while I think it's very shit that this happened and the boundary was breached, I also think that it's not necessarily a malicious, intentional disrespect of your relationship. And I also can see how it could feel that way and how it could feel like, well, what's the point of me setting fucking boundaries about our relationship if they're just going to get breached at some point in the future? But like I say, the communication before and after gives me confidence that your relationship is healthy enough to deal with things like this. The issue that I think you have now is trying to stop replaying that image in your mind. I don't think you're overreacting. I think it may be overreacting if you were to end the whole relationship as a result of this, but also it wouldn't necessarily because if you can't stop plaguing yourself of the thought of this man and it overtakes your relationship and it's ruined your trust and it's giving you self-esteem issues, then that's a real, real big problem. And not everybody would be able to get over this depending on their views on sex work and cheating and all of those kind of things. But for you, if you feel like this is a relationship that is worth saving, the biggest thing that you need to now work on is getting that image out of your mind. And I think for me, the best way to do that would be to practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is a really good way of taking control of your thoughts, allowing thoughts to come and then being able to put them somewhere. And also being able to recognize the difference between what is a worry, what is an anxiety, what is a plaguing thought. It helps you to compartmentalize your thoughts and and put them elsewhere so that you're not continuously ruminating. So that would be my biggest advice to you in terms of, controlling your your mind is is mindfulness and get you can get loads of uh, free mindfulness content on YouTube just literally or even on podcasts just put in mindfulness into Google you'll get absolutely loads of resources teaching you how to use it effectively but whatever you choose to do with this is what you choose to do with it nobody can tell you that you're overreacting nobody can tell you you should do this that or the other I think you need to think about how you feel and how this is going to affect the relationship long term Um, but I think it sounds like there are lots of positives. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. 
Hi guys, it's me and I'm here to tell you about another Sony Music Entertainment podcast. Now I know you all like to have a deeper look and get under the skin of a subject, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me deconstructing hot topics and getting into the nitty gritty with all your dating dilemmas. So I think you're going to love getting curious with the fabulous Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. Every week they deep dive into conversations with a variety of experts on some really, really important and eye or ear opening topics like the history of abortion and the science of sleep. Get excited, get curious and listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. Hey Lala, I've been dating a guy for a year. Thanks to one of my friend's detective skills though, I've just found out that he's been married to someone for nearly 10 years and that they work together. I am of course breaking it off with him, but I'm totally devastated. I had no idea. I genuinely believed everything he said to me and thought he was falling in love with me as I had with him. I confronted him and he's confessed about the marriage and said they were separated when we met, but have since got back together. I honestly don't know what to believe. And in hindsight, it explains why he never wanted me to meet his friends. At the time, he convinced me it was just a complicated ex situation. Still, though, it really hurts. And I'm struggling to think that he could have just used me for a year. This is brutal and horrible and absolutely devastating. And I have so much sympathy and empathy for the place that you are in now. I have been there. I was cheated on many a time. And in fact, I had a relationship with a guy and it turned out that he was very much in a relationship with someone else. And I had absolutely no idea. And when I went into dating after him, I was a complete freak because he'd lied to me about everything. He'd lied to me about his name, his age, where he lived, all sorts of stuff. So I was then unwilling to go on dates with anyone who didn't want to bring their passport and driving license so that I could verify exactly who they were. I went out into dating like, I don't trust anyone. I can never trust anyone. And you have to build my trust by showing me absolutely everything about yourself immediately, which of course made me completely fucking undateable because who wants to date a paranoid, suspicious weirdo? Although I wasn't a weirdo, just like you wouldn't be a weirdo if you did that, because this is hurt that has come from a very legitimate place that has affected our ability to feel like we can trust anyone. But I think that there is hope. First of all, you know now, you know about red flags, because there would have definitely been some. You already identified one yourself. One of the red flags that you mentioned was that he never had you around his mates. Huge red flag. If you've been with somebody for a year, you should be expecting to, you know, integrate your social circles at some point or at the very least meet their family and friends and people who are important to them, because that shows that they're important to you. So that's a definite flag. Did you ever go to his house? If you're not able to go to someone's house that's a massive red flag there would have been signs and I think when you look back over the relationship you will be able to identify some things that you may not have seen as red flags at the time but now with hindsight you're like oh shit that's why that might have happened so actually you're in a much stronger place now for future dating because you have that knowledge you have that experience and that wisdom that tells you "Mm, if he's not introducing me to his friends alarm bells need to start ringing potentially. 
shit happens and and shit will happen. You know, if you're asking me, how can I ever trust again? It means that you are open to finding love again. You are open to having relationships again. And you know what? Opening ourselves up for love is potentially opening ourselves up for pain and hurt. But my belief is that it's worth it. And for some people, the trauma has been so bad that they're like, I am happy to live the rest of my days as a single being and love is just not on the agenda. Whereas for others like me, despite the trauma that I've been through, I'm like, no, I I want love. I enjoy love. I love love. But I know that also potentially that's going to come with some kind of hurt and I'm just going to deal with it. So another thing I would say is don't fear being hurt again you will get over this as long as you help yourself to get through it with things like boosting your own self-esteem really leaning into self-care looking after yourself meeting up with your friends and talking to them about it that will really help you to process this and I think you must have had your suspicions anyway for the fact that your friend started doing all of that digging so again you weren't completely clueless why was your friend doing the digging there must have been some alarm bells ringing and therapy will help you massively with this therapy will help you to learn to trust yourself again because I actually I think that is the biggest first step I think when we go through that kind of betrayal especially when it's something like fuck I should have seen that coming it can be very difficult to trust ourselves but that doesn't mean that you missed anything doesn't mean that you were stupid doesn't mean that there were things that you should have spotted at the time It's great now with hindsight that you can spot them, but it doesn't mean that you can't ever trust yourself again. Not every man that you meet will be married. There are good men out here. There are decent men out here. There are single men out here willing to have relationships. And I think you really need to remember that when you get back on the horse, if you want to, that not every man is going to hurt you. Not every man is going to be married. This is unlikely to happen again, but if it does... You can call on us and we'll actually come around to his house and, I don't know, fuck shit up. So what I'm going to do is, for every week that we do these problem page questions, I am going to be picking one of them and then featuring it on my Instagram grid. So if you're listening to this on the Wednesday that it's released, head straight to my grid and my stories so that you can give us your opinions and comments on the question that we have picked this week. If you're listening to this podcast later in the week, you can still come and do that, but it will just be on my grid rather than in my stories. And we are done with Wednesday and I hope to see you back here on Friday for our final episode of the week where we give you lots of fun stuff to head into the weekend. La, la, la. Let me explain. This has been a Sony Music Entertainment production.